Welcome, everyone, to the Our Strange Skies podcast. I'm your host, Rob Christofferson, and I'm joined today by Amanda Paulson. She's been a paranormal investigator for over 14 years. She's the writer behind the fantastic blog, Pretty and Spooky, and the star of the upcoming documentary, Death is With Me. Uh, Amanda, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Pleasure to be here. So I, I got to ask right up front, what inspired you you know, like 14 years ago to start walking into homes that were haunted and, uh, you know, try to, you know, either figure out what was going on or communicate with uh, the spirits that were alleged to haunt these places. Yeah. So 14 years ago, I was 18 uh, and I had had ghostly experiences since I was like about seven. And uh, by 18, I decided, you know, I want to figure out what exactly is going on here. And also, uh, I don't want to die. And I hope that something <laughs> cool comes afterwards. So I'm going to look into this more. So I joined a team back in um, 08 in Montana. And then when I moved to Spokane, um, it didn't do it for a little bit of time and then got back into it big time in the last uh, three years as a solo investigator. So yeah, it's all about me trying to validate my own personal experiences and help myself and others come to terms with mortality. Very light, very light stuff. Not, not, not too serious. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a great way to start things off because you never want to, you know, get into something so serious, but I could, I completely understand. Uh, there's that definite fear of, Hey, what happens when, you know, the lights go out and uh, do I really want to know, or do I, remain here somehow and just wander around houses complaining that people are in here you know it's <laughs> it's 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 a valid it's a valid question and and i it's a noble endeavor and i i appreciate that because that's that's where i started i started paranormal investigating 2007 or so so yeah it's been a while um but nice yeah um it, it got to be too much, so I settled for the weirder UFO stuff. Ah, uh, yeah, and see, I'm I'm getting into the UFO stuff, the cryptid cryptid stuff, like after the fact. So I was very traditional ghost hunter starting in 08. and and back in that day, you know, ghost hunters was huge. Ghost adventures had just come out, like, mm -hmm. and that was def. I was definitely following suit. I was like. I'm in here to hunt ghosts and I had to kind of move out of that over time. And now I'm in the last few years I've blossomed and I've realized that there's so much more, so much more. And it's all connected. I think, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And I think in many ways, ghost adventures is kind of for like for the entertainment value it, it's you can't really top it because a bunch of people running around abandoned buildings screaming uh about things is uh it, it it's a bad it's a bad image but do you think we're at a point where you know with, with certain shows uh you know 
like kindred spirits or something like that that mm-hmm. maybe there's a more respectful view to paranormal investigating coming around the corner or do you think we're stuck in this endless loop of weird dudes <laughs> yelling at ghosts in abandoned buildings <laughs> Uh, I, I am optimistic that we are, um, moving into a much more inclusive and also much more respectful place, uh, with paranormal media and, and also arguably a weirder place with paranormal media. And I think that, that there is a big, uh, more complex weirdness surge happening and it, and it's infiltrating traditional paranormal media, which I love to see. So I think we're moving away from the ghost bros moving into like a little bit, uh, different, different time period, which I love. Yeah, absolutely. And especially when you can bring more diverse voices into the subject, which it sorely needs. And Mm -hmm. it seems to be, you know, at at the start of that turning point. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely see this as a, as a positive. And and today we're kind of crossing, uh, we're, uh, you know, to, to quote a term, we're crossing the streams here a bit. We're, you know, taking UFOs, we're taking kind of ghostly phenomenon, and and we're bringing them together a little bit in um, a, a few cases that, you know, some are going to seem more, you know, closely linked than others. But a lot of the these cases have this reputation of like being interpreted through like the lens of a haunting or uh, the interactions with these beings, like being more closely linked to like ghosts and stuff like that. But um, this kind of thinking uh, this more esoteric view of kind of UFOs, it, it goes back to like the mid to late 1960s and you start to see um, certain researchers venture into this territory of well maybe this is a more psychical phenomenon maybe this is um uh more closely related to like spiritual phenomenon and uh it seemed like the uh the british were a little ahead of their time with this because they seem to embrace it um far more than like we have over here with in terms of modern ufology, um, we're pretty hung up on the idea that it's got to be aliens and that's the only explanation. But we're these theories kind of existed and you started to see it in books like uh, Jacques Vallée's Passport to Magonia, which kind of uh, delved into the idea that the, there's similarities between like creatures from folklore and Mm-hmm. Um, your euphonauts of today and also uh, like John Keel's The Mothman Prophecies, which in a lot of ways seem to kind of bridge that gap because he featured stories in there of people having UFO sightings and then shortly after experiencing like poltergeist phenomenon, objects moving around the, their houses and weird phone calls with dead air. So it's this realm that we're we're starting to enter into and and when we look at all other cultures too and and specifically uh i i've covered some of um, africa's ufo sightings some of those cultures view them through the lens of um not being space people or aliens but more like ancestral spirits even mm-hmm. in cases where like they're describing 
clear UFOs and like beings coming from them. Uh, so like there are definitely these bridges between them, but uh, one of the first cases uh, that we're bringing to the table here uh, is from 1957. Uh, a Birmingham woman named Cynthia Appleton. She claimed to have encounters with a spaceman in her home. So on November 18th, 1957, around 3 p.m., Cynthia had put her daughter Susan down for a nap and her other daughter, Janet, was in this front room downstairs and she was hearing what she thought was her daughter crying. So she went downstairs to check it out. And she walked in the room and she and the first thing that she noticed was this like kind of oppressive feeling, which is very similar to some, you know, hauntings. Mm-hmm. You know, people will describe uh, like, have you ever felt that walking into a property? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Specifically, the Lizzie Borden house is one that felt immediately oppressive. So oppressiveness or feeling any kind of like residual emotion definitely screams ghostly encounter to me but that's through my paranormal investigator lens so that's super interesting yeah she um the way that she described it was like kind of that feeling you get before you you hear like a clap of thunder so um she looked out the window and when she did this strange figure kind of just materialized next to her that was like right next to her fireplace and Strangely, it was accompanied by a whistling sound, which weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, um, okay, that's um, I mean, sometimes you you see that associated with with UFOs and like um, I know I've been whistled at by ghosts before. So it's like it's a weird thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It almost makes me wonder if the whistling was like a like a speed by which it appeared like if it was like the whistling through of a of something moving through air or if it was like the being whistling right yeah it it makes you wonder like how good a whistler was this individual we'll never (laughs) know what what tune was he whistling i want to (laughs) know yes (laughs) (laughs) so he appeared quote just like a tv picture on the screen a blurred image and then suddenly everything is clear and when she she said this it it reminded me of um when i was a kid because i grew up with unsolved mysteries i watched the hell out of that and the one case that always kind of stuck with me because it like they seem to be trying to come at it with a science through a scientific lens was the um, La Posada hotel um, in I think it's New Mexico. Yeah. New Mexico. And this one couple described how they were staying in uh, Julia Staub. She allegedly haunted that hotel. And he described how her spirit, it took like a bit of time to kind of like form so like he kept like looking down at the end of his bed and he'd see more of this woman forming. And then uh, finally he sees this like full bodied apparition at the end of the bed, just like staring at him. And like, Ooh, that sounds no, so scary. Yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. I yeah. like if there are, if I have any, you know, ghosts within my listenership, I just want to say, please don't do that. It's creepy as hell. Yeah. Just come on full force. Just <laughs> 
just show yourself right away. You don't need to amp it up by showing piece by piece, please. You can help it. That sounds terrifying. It is. It is absolutely terrifying. Like I'm definitely a, a get it done and over with kind of person here. We, we need to get on with our lives. I get it. You're appearing. You've got some reason for doing it, but please don't do this slow stuff. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, naturally, Cynthia, she was scared and uh, she got the sense that whatever this, whoever this being was, they were trying to calm her. So uh, according to her, he wore a tight fitting garment that seemed to be like plasticky and also this like silvery color, which if this is some kind of weird retro fashion that I'm not aware of, uh, this this definitely doesn't fit with like your typical ghostly apparitions. <laughs> no, no, I don't think that kind of outfit came out until the 70s, and this would have been in the 60s. So, yeah, yeah the disco the disco suit hasn't happened yet. Yes, but. There is one added feature. Apparently, this individual wore like an Elizabethan puffy collar. (laughs) (laughs) He sounds goofy looking. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like human looking, wearing the most ridiculous outfit. Like, I almost want to try this for Halloween sometime. (laughs) Honestly, you should. It's just an inside joke with you and yourself. (laughs) And no yes. one else would have any clue what you were. <laughs> exactly. And I'm not telling anybody. They're going to just get weird vibes all night. Uh, <laughs> so she could see that his lips were moving, but, you know, there was no audible words coming out, though. She seemed to get the impression that he could read her mind. And then from there started getting this like telepathic kind of communication. And she asked him questions like where he was from. To which, and and it seems like every alien that has ever asked this question responds with the most vague answer possible. And this guy does. He just says, another world. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, it, he says it's Earth-like, but, uh, you know, um, not very specific here. He claimed that his species visited Earth to collect scarce resources on their planet that could be found at the bottom of our seas, which is interesting. It's a, it's always about resources, I guess. I don't know. Mm. But the substance that apparently this guy was interested in was, uh, she at first said it was uh, like titium, but uh, her husband kind of later said, do you mean titanium? And she's like, oh yeah, that's what it was. So I did a cursory Google search. And I found that titanium is like very uh, prevalent. There's a lot of it in like the Earth's crust and stuff like that. But it's not very abundant at ocean depth. So like Mm. uh, definitely not like the wet portions of the world that you're going to find titanium. I did learn that apparently there's about one part per billion worth of titanium in the ocean. So yeah, there's, there's some titanium, but it doesn't seem to be like a very abundant resource here. Interesting. And there's no, there's no titium either. No, no, I not on the periodic table from what I could find. There is tritium, tritium. Mm. Yes. But 
still not at the bottom of the ocean. No, unfortunately. Okay. No, we are. We are not finding abundant resources at the bottom of the ocean. But it, I mean, this guy seems shady as it is. Seems like a dodge. So it, it fits with the character. It totally. Fits yeah, with he, he just threw it out there. He's like, yeah, yeah. Uh, I came here for a uh, titium. <laughs> yeah. 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 You yeah, know. that sounds right. <laughs> Definitely not to show off my Elizabethan collar. Which, why wouldn't you show that off? It's just absolutely fabulous. <laughs> yes, yes, definitely. So this being did impart one strange phrase to her. Quote, you are stripping bark from the wrong tree to line the wrong boat. You are concentrating on the wrong power. You are trying to go up to which, to which he seemed to, like, imply, like, the force of gravity. Um, and uh, he said uh, he followed that up by saying, uh, we go like this, where he kind of made mat lateral movements with his hand, kind of like someone who is swimming in a way. So this this is definitely up there for the strangest alien communication that I've heard yet. Yeah, that that riddle would haunt me forever. Yeah. If, if a ghost or alien or anything gave me that riddle, I'd be like, what does it mean? Yes. And yes. does this mean I need to build boats for a living now? I don't know. <laughs> I feel like I should not ignore this from this from this man. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's a, it's a new calling. And uh, according to Cynthia, aside from seeing this man, she could also see kind of behind him this this image of this spacecraft and you know it's kind of your typical saucer shape it's got a dome on top and she called this the quote-unquote mastercraft not like the mothership but the mastercraft which i dig that i think we should uh rebrand mothership to mastercraft and uh i think it's uh i think it's a stronger branding for sure yeah i like that mastercraft mm-hmm and she also saw like five or six additional figures and they were all staring at her, you know, like creeps uh, do in this situation, I guess. Uh, <laughs> it's just one of them makes its way in and then the rest are like, hey, what's up? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we heard you've got some extra room in here. <laughs> yeah. Be like, you... excuse me, sir. What are you doing in my house? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, how would you like it if I just beam myself into your UFO? I don't think you'd like it, but maybe into your maybe. mastercraft. <laughs> yes, into your mastercraft. <laughs> Apparently, these were a peaceful people, though, living in a world uh, where war did not occur. Mm, fishy, very fishy. Mm, sure. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. And they told her that they would return again in January. I it's like is that is that a threat because I mean if you could take me away from January on earth right now I I'd, I'd be fine with that I'm not a fan yeah. of January January is the worst month so they were yeah. like when you're bored in January we'll show back up and we'll make sure that you are going like this you're swimming through the universe not up you're swimming through it we're going to yep. check on you and make sure you're doing it yep yep so Cynthia was terrified of this experience and she apparently wept for a period of time in her sitting room, which I totally understand. Uh, this man's television form had apparently been standing on a newspaper 
And when she examined it more closely later, she found that there were scorch marks at approximately where he was standing on it. Ah, so there we go. That's the not ghost like thing here. Yeah. I feel like besides yep. the another world comment and the Mastercraft comment, uh, that to me definitely screams alien or even Sasquatch. I feel like has some cases of that, like, with like the smell, uh, like the like when they disappear. Correct mm-hmm. me if I'm wrong, because I don't know what I'm talking about. But <laughs> when they, I've he- I've heard that like when when a Sasquatch has disappeared, that it might go through a portal, and then there's a smell like something burning. Is that yeah. right? Okay. Yeah. Yep. Uh, there are also cases in which after a UFO departs, people will smell kind of like sulfur. So. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think we've got it nailed down here. They need to like stay in their portals. They don't need to come through. It's a, it's just, you know, it seems like an inconvenience most of the time. <laughs> like you come in, you just appear, you look like a television image and you give me weird riddles that will haunt <laughs> me the rest of my life. It's it's not a good. Bit. Yeah, it honestly feels pompous. Like, they mm-hmm. just come in here like, oh, we can do this, and you can't. And, like, look at my fancy outfit and my fancy Mastercraft, and <laughs> I'm going to scare the crap out of you, and then I'm just going to dip. Like, I'd be, I'd cry too. Honestly, I feel for her. Yeah. That is quite the story. <laughs> it is. Uh, she also received uh, apparently multiple visits um, over a, a certain period of time. There were two kind of figures that would... Uh, appear in her house but it definitely it's the more fantastical version of the um, contactees that you hear about that land in their craft they approach some guy they tell them that they're from venus and that we should knock it off with the nukes so i i kind of i like this one it's a little more interesting than the the typical george adamski kind of Mm -hmm. you know venusians with the long blonde hair yes yeah and i i do enjoy uh these kind of accounts when the the story is so out there and random that you're just like i don't see how they could have made that up Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's just too bizarre uh what is the saying life is stranger than fiction or whatever that saying is like yeah so so yeah this is a good one this is a good story I'm, yes. on, I'm on board with these with these alien ghosts. <laughs> alien ghosts, we got them. Uh, and there's a there's another interesting account from 1965 in Bristol. Uh, an anonymous woman named Miss B was in her kitchen when a compulsion uh, to look in her lounge area overcame her. And in the lounge, a tall figure was standing there. Looking away and looking back, they disappeared, and uh, she would see this figure kind of like multiple times, uh, just appearing in her home. And every time that she saw them, he would just kind of be standing there looking at her. Um, there was no attempted communication, which is just it makes it even worse. It's just a dude in your house now, absolutely. <laughs> He was, uh, quote, tall and uh, even without the large, bulbous, silvery helmet that he wore, she estimated that uh, he topped six foot three. So we got a tall one here. Uh, 
fair skinned and rosy cheeked. Uh, he was good looking, which is good. I, you know, that's important. <laughs> Imagine that an alien shows up means only good things for you. And their account of the alien is he was pretty ugly. <laughs> yeah. He's not, not my type personally, but I'll let it slide. I'll let thank it God slide. He was, thank God he was good looking. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you had uh, clear-cut features, blue eyes, and a finely chiseled nose. <laughs> Sometimes when I read these descriptions, it's just like, I appreciate the detail and I appreciate what they use to describe things because it's it's gold every time. It's yeah. fantastic. Well, and I, I respect it too because I don't think I would remember anything. They'd be like, mm -hmm. what did he look like? And it would just be like blurred television man like i i don't think i could remember every single feature so props to them for remembering yes absolutely uh he had big broad shoulders and uh he also apparently needed a shave according to miss p <laughs> <laughs> like if you're gonna appear in someone's home you are uh equally entitled to the criticisms that you are bound to receive. It's totally fair. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm also having a hard time, though, imagining like, okay, let's assume that this um, being is from a different planet, different universe, whatever. And they also just grow beards, like how we grow beards. Well, not we, like I don't grow a beard, but right. that would be fine if I did. But like, <laughs> But like, they just, I don't know. I feel like and <laughs> I have such a rudimentary idea of aliens. I feel like an alien's growing noodles out of his face or something. Like, no, I don't know. Just like not, not a normal. Oh, he looks like he needs to shave. Like, I feel like it should be more mystical or crazy looking. I don't know. Yeah, no, that's that's completely fair. Like, uh, you know, aliens should look weird. They shouldn't look like us and they should know what an electric razor is. I, I totally understand. Yeah. They I'm should there. be able to shave with their mind or something. Yeah. T seriously. Aliens get on the telepathy shaving, please. The yes. telekinetic shaving. I'm down for it, please. <laughs> um, this figure was dressed in a sort of gray metallic looking two piece suit. Uh, the coat being hip length and also having a rounded collar at the neck. Uh, not Elizabethan, but uh, apparently this is like it's almost trench coaty in a way. Um, he has a belt approximately four inches in width uh, of a darker material than the suit. And with a clasp uh, that he was wearing, the trousers were not tight fitting and were tucked into rather large, dark boots. Um, definitely a fashion icon of the 60s. I can see this. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> mm -hmm. So another kind of similar case that uh, uh, took place in America, 1967, uh, Reverend Anthony DiPolo. He had this strange encounter with a spaceman and that seemingly materialized and dematerialized. And on July 18th, 1967, uh, DiPolo was awoken by a loud oscillating sound moving from low to high, which is not uncommon with certain UFO reports. Uh, there are some that like talk about how it seemed like a m motor was like 
almost getting up to speed or it was like powering down or something like that. But mm-hmm. uh, it's a very similar situation. And um, he got this kind of pressure in his ears and he got this telepathic message to go downstairs. So at the bottom of the stairs, looking out a window facing west, he could see a figure standing in his driveway, which, you know, you get the you get the idea. Maybe this is how people talked uh, to others about their cars, extended warranty. But like <laughs> this early in the morning is ridiculous. I'd be so scared. It doesn't matter what it is. I'd be like, please leave. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so DePolo, he's stepped outside onto his porch and this figure reassured him that he had nothing to fear and that he would not harm him. In response, he stepped toward the man and this figure said, danger, I must go. (laughs) (laughs) He he got, oh, he got anxious. (laughs) He did. He did. It's like, this is too much, man. I gotta go home. (laughs) Yep. Just like, I look, I'm nervous. You're nervous. I tried to do this as reasonably as I could. There's a reason why I'm here. We could get into it. We cannot. It's I. I it's just. It's like I feel. I feel like I started this off weird. I feel like it came in weird. Yes. <laughs> I can't finish. Danger must go. <laughs> yes. So, uh, you know, this man passes along this kind of fourth message to him, which. DiPolo takes to his grave. We don't know what the fourth message is. And uh, this figure disappears. And in its place is kind of this formless blob of light, which fades out a short time later. Uh, So we've got some kind of, um, you know, maybe some portal action here. Man was physically there. And um, afterwards... DiPolo and his wife experienced odd things in their house, including, you know, loud bangs and the sound of a baby crying, which is unnerving as hell. I don't, I don't care who you are. I, I, I'm not down with it. You hear you hear babies crying in haunted houses. No, thank you. I'm gone. Yeah, that is fascinating. So, like, maybe Danger Must Go guy, like, left so quick that the portal maybe is a little open. Or or maybe left some residual, like maybe the ghosts came in after. Right. I don't know. That's interesting. I don't think, I mean, I don't know. Residual right. alien activity is really interesting. Really interesting to me. It is. And yeah, it's around this time of the Mothman flap. And, you know, this guy isn't too far away from uh, where that happened. He was living in Ohio and... Mothman is kind of Ohio Valley, so bits of Ohio, bits of West Virginia, mostly. So he's in the relative ballpark area. But yeah, it's like, what are you letting in, dude, by just appearing in my driveway? I didn't ask mm-hmm. for that. Mm-hmm. Not, not cool. Yeah, not cool. No. So uh, in 1968, in an army barracks in Cyprus, a man had a strange encounter. Um, And and this is verbatim from an article from Unexplained Magazine from back in the day. Quote, the witness was an army NCO stationed at Decahelia Barracks, Cyprus, in September 1968. At 3 a.m., his dog, a a fierce Turkish wolfhound, suddenly sat up and began growling, its fur standing on end. 
Fearing a possible terrorist attack, the soldier went to the door. Then a high-pitched humming filled his skull. So kind of uh, not dissimilar to Anthony DiPolo here mm-hmm. with his uh, stuff in his ear. Uh, the dog was by now under the bed, whimpering and cowering, which I totally would be there too myself. Um mm-hmm. Out on the landing, the soldier saw, to his horror, the head and shoulders of a creature floating up the wooden stairs. It was humanoid and clad in a light blue suit. It had an eerie face that glowed orange, huge round eyes, and t- and a tousled shock of red hair. It could uh, swivel its head 180 oh. degrees. No, thank you. No, thank oh. you. That last bit. Oh. Yeah. No. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> the soldier rushed back to his, to the sanctuary of his room. He sat on the edge of his bed, shaking uncontrollably as the whining sound outside rose to a crescendo. Now he could hear a sliding sound as if the creature were approaching the door. He snatched up his uh, underwater spear gun, loaded it, and aimed it at the door. The sliding noise faded away. An hour or so later, the soldier was found still sitting on his bed and trembling with fear. And overnight, the uh, the dog was turned into a quivering wreck. So, yeah, this, this is I don't know what this is, but I'm <laughs> that's terrified. wild. Yeah, yeah, that's scary. But, you know, hear me out. I feel like that's the most alien looking dude out yes. of these stories. Because that is not just seeing a person that looks like us. That is wild yeah. <laughs> and terrifying. Yeah. Uh, there is a, a sketch that we'll, I'll be including uh, in this, uh, in the show notes and then on social media. It's just the the drawing of this figure is very freaky looking. Um, not down with it. Not down with I it wonder, at all. I wonder what he was going to say, though. I mean, I understand why the guy was so scared. Like, mm-hmm. please, I would also be scared. And I would also want nothing to do with it. But I am curious if the orange-faced alien, like, did, didn't mean any harm. You know, because he didn't really do anything. He was just walking upstairs. Right. He just, like... I don't know. He like the way that he's drawn. He he definitely looks kind of like he has an axe to grind in a way. Uh, <laughs> he, he's he's gonna do something, but like you know, when you when you talk about sliding sounds approaching your door, it's never a good thing. That's never. true. That's yeah. a good point. Maybe I'm too trusting. I would have let that guy in and been like, "What do you have to say to me?" <laughs> Maybe I'm being rude here. <laughs> Please sit down. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> So the the flap of 1967, it was was pretty unique uh, for the time period because uh, a lot of what was reported during that time, aside from, you know, the sightings of the Mothman and um, UFOs and such in the Ohio Valley, uh, in in certain areas of Pennsylvania and like Presque Isle Park, there was a report of a Bigfoot stepping out from a UFO um, in... Reary, Idaho, there was a report of an alien being that got out of a craft and um, stole a car briefly, driving it into a field. So you get a 
variety of reports around this time, but I think one of the oddest here is uh, what is known as the Spectre of Winterfold. Uh, and on November 13th, 1967, at around 12.30 a.m., Philip Freeman and his friend Angela Carter left the home of uh, Phil's brother. Uh, they drove through the hilly Winterfold forest, uh, returning to uh, Woking, where they lived. And the roads were kind of empty. It wasn't a very heavily trafficked area at this time of night. Uh, but uh, Philip stopped the car briefly uh, as his windows were kind of misting over. He didn't give it enough time to warm up. So he uh, he kind of just doused the headlights there for a minute and uh, left the engine running with his side lights on. And it wasn't long before Phil detected this foul odor in the air and it smelled oddly of food being burnt on a stove. Um mm. I, I don't like that. Hmm. Interesting. Yes. So Phil exits the vehicle, fearing that his car was overheating, but Angela points out that it hadn't been running that long. And the moment that he steps out of the vehicle, that's when she notices the smell too. So Phil, he checks out under the hood, gets back in, climbs into the vehicle, and uh, he looks over at Angela, and he could see a face looking in through the window. Mm. It, it it was featureless, though. It's shaped, it's rectangular and shaped, and Phil estimated the head to be about 10 inches long by 8 inches wide, so it's not incredibly big, but there was this other shape that was visible that kind of looked like an arm jutting up into the air uh, at a very like steep angle. And uh, when she saw the shock on Phil's face, she, she decided I'm not looking behind me. There's no way in hell that I'm looking <laughs> behind me and I don't blame her. I don't blame yeah. her all. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I have been on some investigations where I, I have to admit I've had that same feeling and i haven't even seen seen the ghost technically and i've just been like i'm not looking i'm not looking over there yeah nope nope (laughs) there was one case that i did this was probably uh when the hell was this like maybe 11 years ago now uh this one woman called us out to uh her home because she felt like you know this the this spirit wouldn't leave her alone it just kept following her around so we go and we investigate and i'm standing in the corner of the room just kind of you know picking up on things and i'm like yeah i don't like it i got the heebie-jeebies behind me there's something behind me and then she uh she was in there with us and she looks over at me and she's like it's standing in the corner behind you and i'm like yep i'm out of here i'm done uh, <laughs> well, thank you yeah yeah no no thanks. And then imagine if you if you did turn around and it was a rectangle face with oh, no god. features. Oh god. No. <laughs> no. I do dig uh the sketch of this creature is interesting because it looks like it's kind of wearing a skirt in a way. Um looks like it may be a little flowy. I'm not exactly sure. I'm not exactly sure <laughs> how much uh Phil actually saw through the window, but uh I think part of the sketch comes from um after he drives away here, but Angela. Yeah. yeah. 
I, yeah. I did see, I saw the sketch and I have to admit, I thought it was a teapot at first and right. it took a, a couple of looks and I'm like, what am I looking at? I don't understand. <laughs> exactly. It, <laughs> it's weird. It doesn't, it, I don't know. It doesn't make a lot of sense. I, but it, Hey, aliens don't make sense to us because we're not aliens. Right. Yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So Angela just urged Phil to speed away. Um, but his eyes were just like gripped on whatever this thing was. And um, as it started to move behind his vehicle, uh, he was he was able to get a better look. And this thing, uh, it went up to the bo- the top of his trunk. So he estimated it was about four and a half feet tall. And uh, that was when when it was behind the vehicle. That's when Phil sped away and. Before long, though, Phil was overcome with this sense of curiosity. He had the urge to turn back around. <laughs> I'd be so pissed. I'd be like, absolutely not. Take me home first, please. <laughs> and Angela was. She's like, you are not turning around. I don't think so. But uh, what's interesting here is that this uh, this particular area is had been known for you know, UFO sightings for a long time, but it had also been the location of um, sightings of mysterious pumas of all things. So weird area, but Mm -hmm. there was another kind of strange figure spotted in Surrey, not too far away. Um, This was a couple months later in January of 1968, a young man named Peter and his unnamed girlfriend were parked on the Whitmore uh, Commons. And though it's not exactly clear, you know, when this case took place sometime January or February, but it wasn't long after they parked that Peter had an uneasy feeling and thinking that a quote unquote peeping Tom was nearby. He rolled down the window and as if prompted by the movement of the window, a shadowy figure moved rapidly gliding toward the van taking up a position uh, from about 20 feet away. So uh, this is aggressive. It's a bit aggressive. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. So whoever this figure was, it was short and squat between four and five feet tall. And though he couldn't make out any uh, details, uh, he did note that this figure lacked legs. So... Another interesting parallel because the Winterfold Specter did not have legs. It just Mm -hmm. seemed to float. So, you know, and it was this kind of detail that led Peter to drive off quickly. And he returned to the spot with his girlfriend a couple weeks later. And as they were as they were parked out there, they detected an odor, quote, as of seaweed rotting in the hot sun. Yummy. Hmm. Oh. Yeah. I can't even put a finger on what that would smell like. I don't think I've smelled that before. No, I haven't either. And, uh, you know, he wasn't sticking around long after that either. So, Peter, the smart one here, just getting out of there as uh, as quickly as possible every single time, which I respect. I totally respect yes. that. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So there are other, there are a couple other strange quote unquote specter reports kind of linked to 
um, UFO activity and such. And, and the first is a case known as the Saltwood Mystery. And on the evening of Saturday, November 16th, 1963, in Sandling Park near Hythe, Kent, four teens witnessed a, quote, star fall from the sky and a dark figure that appeared from it. So only two of the teams were identified. Uh, John Flaxton, he stated, quote, it was uncanny. The reddish yellow light was coming out of the sky at an angle of 60 degrees. As it came towards the ground, it seemed to hover more slowly. I grew cold all over as it vanished behind a clump of trees. Then a bright golden light appeared in the field with them, merely 20 some odd feet away. It moved with them whenever they moved, uh, which is no, no, thank you. Mm, I'm yeah. Pass. Yeah. I don't like stalking UFOs ever. They, they yeah, it's a bad, but um, <laughs> it was apparently oval in shape and about 20 feet wide. So it was, it was a decent size and it eventually disappeared behind some trees in the next moment, a dark figure human sized, devoid of a head stepped out of the trees they seemed to have wings like a bat on either side and it stumbled toward them mervyn hutchins stated quote it was just like a bat with webbed feet and no head and all four of the witnesses were actually convinced that they had seen a ghost and not like some alien entity like falling to earth which is which is interesting because yeah it again kind of like it leads into the the way that some um, some folks from Africa see these sightings as like, well, that's a ghost right there, and and like in many of those cases they could very well be because uh, a lot of them describe these like you know orbs of light that kind of like appear on paths in front of them mm-hmm. and uh, you know do their own thing. So you know it's it's. It's interesting, and, and the similarities are there. Yeah. Wow. Also, the, uh, all I keep thinking about is, like, how many of these stories just bring home how I think all, like, cryptid UFO ghost sightings are so similar and connected. Because mm-hmm. that sounds – that also sounds like a, like a cryptid to me, like a creature. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So – and, like, the line there is blurred between, like – a, a creature can also be an alien yeah. and could also be a ghost, I guess, <laughs> like, cause it could also just be a specter, you know, like a, like just there, but not physically there. So yeah. Anyway, yeah. it's just bringing that home for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and this case, um, is, is another equally odd one and it involves a young man named Kermit, which I love. So uh, <laughs> you can't, you can't go wrong with that you know, just killer name. Uh, Mm -hmm. So it took place in Casablanca, Florida or Casablanca, California on Sunday, August 22nd, 1955. Kermit Douglas and a few friends were playing at Kermit's home at around 2 PM that afternoon when, um, you know, two of the boys were wrestling around and they noticed this like half circular object it looked kind of like a dome that had these like lines coming off of it it appeared above them it disappeared a short time later and then another object that looked like a spinning wheel with a bunch of like curved lines on it uh just appeared out of nowhere and um 
it uh it seemed to be kind of like semi-transparent most of these things um that mm-hmm. appear are semi-transparent and they disappear and reappear again so more of these children kind of gather together and they noted that each time an object reappeared they could hear a pinging sound which is again it gets into that kind of whistling and um sounds that people are hearing when they mm-hmm. see these things appear so we've got some connections here which i dig yes. Mm-hmm. Um, the objects, uh, disappeared completely every time one of the kids went to go grab a parent so that they could come and see what the hell they were seeing. But, um, one object landed about half a city block away from where the children were. And while observing it, they noted this, noticed the strange figure, the size of a four year old child, like hovering next door. Um, the being was like transparent their face was adorned in like these diamond shaped objects they wore a belt that had a round metallic reflective surface on it and they hovered you know just a couple feet above the ground and one boy claimed that uh this figure was carrying two guns that it used to uh, paralyze a couple kids but like that's um it's one of the more fantastical details of this case and it's only a in one um, paper that it was reported in, so it was just you know. like one, yeah, one kid being dramatic, like okay. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, another boy is said to have started wandering in the direction of the landed craft, as in as if in a trance, but was stopped by two of the other children, um, fearing that they wanted them to walk on board this craft. Uh, another boy saw another floating this like floating spectral arm that was just hovering in the air uh, above him. And he claimed that it was kind of the size of a four or five year old's arm, which is creepy. It's creepy. I don't, I don't need some floating spectral arms, but uh, (laughs) we've got it. We've got it in this case. (laughs) So then another creature appears similar to the first one, only it had, really they had four arms in a very strange looking configuration um and this figure was kind of more solid it was more corporeal and it could speak they told a child to climb up uh into a nearby tree where he would be picked up in 15 minutes (laughs) okay (laughs) yeah yeah. Just wait here, kid. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. Just just hold on. Uh yeah. two of them did climb into the tree, but were pulled down by the other kids, believing believing them to be in danger. Ah, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> I those those two kids, please. They need yeah. <laughs> Okay. They later observed one of the crafts circling uh the trees uh above and then disappearing. So another child apparently climbed onto the roof uh, to get a better view of everything that was going on. And then he fell off the house, apparently landing on his head. <gasps> but, but he suffered no apparent injuries. <gasps> he mm. claimed that a spectral silver arm beckoned him to walk off the roof. <gasps> Hmm. And thus ends the Casablanca case. 
Okay, so the arm is like walk off the roof, but then are is the story assuming that he suffered no injuries because the arm saved him, or it's just coincidence? Like he just didn't hurt himself. Right, that, that's a tough one. I don't know how yeah. high this roof was, but like, uh, there's a lot of strange. Like, it almost seems like a. Either these kids are just making it up, which, you know, maybe they did, maybe they didn't, because no parent saw the stuff. But um, also, it seems like a really bad acid trip. Like, incredible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just <laughs> like, f- yeah, yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll just say yes. Um, yeah, and if, okay, if these arms, <laughs> if any of this is true, they seem very morally gray. Like, I mm-hmm. like, what was their intent here if yep. they potentially saved this kid's head from being smashed on the ground? So, yeah, weird, but so creepy. Fifteen creepy. minutes, fifteen minutes in the tree, and then we'll come get you. And then you, sh- you too, shall be an arm, a phantom arm. Yes, a phantom limb just floating around for the rest of your life. Um, yeah, <laughs> just any limb. Arm or yeah. leg, they just limbs show up randomly. Yeah, yeah, that's that's just how it happens. You could be a you could be a floating spectral head by tomorrow. You know, it just happens. <laughs> so I want to be I want to be a spectral finger, just one yeah, finger, right? Like <laughs> yeah. you're the you know spectral finger of like whatever house you haunt and you appear whenever you want. It's yeah, it's great. It's and you're like walk fantastic. off the roof, walk off yes. the roof. Yeah, yeah. 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 Totally normal. Totally. Um, so another case worth bringing up here, and it's a case that I brought up on an episode that I recorded last week, is uh, the case of Mary Geddes. Um, and in, in October, um, October 16th, 1963, or 73, uh, it was about 7.30 p.m. She was returning from night classes uh, to the trailer that she lived at uh, with her friend Joe Ben Israel. And they lived in uh, the town of Albany, Ohio. And as she pulled into her driveway, and it, it was a long driveway that led to these trailers, she was confronted by a strange apparition floating 50 feet above the driveway. Quote, it was like a person with a close-fitting sheet draped over it. <laughs> a ghost. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It. <laughs> it seems like your typical, like, you know depiction of a ghost in a cartoon or something like that but Mm -hmm. uh this figure was short only four feet tall and thin she claimed that she could see a distinct body shape containing a body and head but there were no uh limbs of any kind okay got it i'm picturing it in my head right now yep After she observed this figure for just a few seconds, a bright white light appeared out of her passenger side window close to the road she had just come from. Quote, it was like it was look it was like uh, it was looking. It would look here and it would then look over here and over here like that, Um, which is like I I love this case because of the quotes that she just gives, because it's like you're describing like pointing and uh, i'm not totally (laughs) getting it but i love it Uh, (laughs) but then when it came over here it came straight like i drew it when i saw when it saw me it kind of wanted to see what i was all about it was 
just like it was staring at me and it kept coming closer and I got scared and kind of turned away and tried not to pay attention to it and moved back. It went back over the field. It went directly to the side and then directly back. It went behind a telephone pole that blocked that blocked off some of its lights. And from there, it just went back across the field away from me. Then it faded a little and then it was gone. So we have a ghost thing. We have a UFO and they're doing some weird stuff in a, in a field right next door. <laughs> <laughs> they're just being spooky for the yeah. heck of it. Yeah. Like, ooh, follow me. Yeah. I don't know. That sounds ghostly. It does. That's that's it, a blurry that's a blurry one. That yeah. sounds like a ghostly alien. So Mary claimed that uh, when she exited the car, she could feel a presence as if an invisible force was nearby, and she was so scared that uh, she refused to walk to her trailer and waited for Joe to return before she felt comfortable enough to move. When their neighbors, uh, Chuck and Rhonda, came home that night, they too had seen something strange in the sky. Uh, Joe decided to go outside and talk with them, leaving the front door open. And that was that that was when a small, quote, aqua ish figure peeked around the door frame inside. Quote, it was like the electric man that they have on the co-op signs. It just looked at me. It didn't try to say anything to me. It just stared for a few seconds, probably 10 seconds. It sort of had a face. It had what looked like spiky things at the top and sides of its head. The being was two and a half feet tall. It had short arms, but no visible legs. It retained some anthropomorphic features like eyes and a mouth and a nose. This, this looks like a monster, the way that I've drawn it. Mary said, but it didn't look like a monster. It looked kind of it looked like a friendly little thing, only it had these spikes all over it. It didn't try to hurt me or anything. It was just looking like it was peeking around the corner at first. And then it was just kind of standing here looking at me. Uh, Mary added, quote, I got the distinct impression that he wasn't sure about whether he should be there or not. He was kind of timid. His eyes didn't blink. Nothing moved. He just kind of disappeared back behind the door. I went after him and looked behind the door, and I didn't see anything anymore. He was just gone. So there were numerous UFO sightings in and around Albany, Ohio at this time. Uh, and Mary saw one later that night when she like went outside with Joe. Um, this this quote right here is is. It's one of my favorites. Um, quote, I thought at first it might be some kind of philanthropic society from outer space to bring some sense of civilization here. Uh, but that was then, her first thought. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but then the more I thought about it, the reason I got scared was that I realized that these people would be super in comparison to us and i didn't think that they'd probably be helping people so much as they probably need some kind of power source and they really seemed to scare the cows and it was the time and it was the time of the beef shortage and we were talking <laughs> we were talking about how they were coming to get the cows <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah yeah 
I mean, that's, it, it's, it's fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like alien philanthropic society. I dig it. <laughs> she has, she has such a complex mind. Oh, oh what I would do to get inside that mind of hers because she felt so many feelings seeing yes. these things. She's like, they look nice, but they're spiky and like, they might be here for good, but also they're going to kill my cows, which I don't want. So <laughs> yeah, it's a problem. So, yeah. So conflicted. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> so, uh, there's this, this idea. And for this last case, it's kind of a longer one, but, um, there's this idea and started to see it in some of the UFO literature in the late seventies in which it seemed like people were being haunted by um, alien beings or UFOs because they keep would have these repeat encounters over a period of time. Um, and, and like I said before, there was kind of some of that in the Mothman flap, but a lot of UFO researchers kind of disregarded it. They called them, uh, they had a term for them, which was repeater cases. And with repeater cases, they often kind of uh, get swept under the rug. A lot of researchers thought that, well, you know, these are people just trying to get some attention. But in this case, this particular case, um, uh, the Sunderland family was subjected to very odd experiences. Uh, one case that I covered on the podcast, uh, it's called the South Middleton humanoids. Uh, this one family, uh, you know, had a great name for a like family haunted by aliens and stuff. The Gould family. Uh, they, over the course of like a year on their property, they kept seeing, what looked like grays in a way, gray aliens, um, very creepy looking. In many cases, there was at one point when the family noticed that there was this mysterious rock that uh, turned up on their property that they'd never seen before. It was pretty big. And they went over to it and they realized that this rock had windows on it. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, that's scary. <laughs> yeah. But don't like on, that. No. No, not at all. But like a uh, company with that, uh, there were other members of the family who were even visiting who had encounters with uh, more closely looking human figures that were tall and they wore these like kind of masks over their head. They were kind of weird. And every time that they would go and try and find them because they never encountered them like generally outside, uh, they would see them out uh, from inside the house outside every time they went to go look for him they could never find him so yeah it's a it's a weird case and folks if you haven't listened to that one it's episode 70 it's uh it's a definite weird one but um the welsh county of uh Clwyd, uh in northern wales it became a hot spot in the kind of late 70s um West Wales was a hot spot from about 77 to 78. There was um, there was one particular family, the Coombs family, who had encounters with UFOs on their property. They saw these like nine foot tall spacemen that would float around and kind of burn the vegetation. But there was also this one incident in which the matriarch of the family, Pauline Coombs, went to bed one night 
and a uh, disembodied spectral hand actually walked, uh, came into her room and touched her on the arm before it disappeared. So, you know, just a lot of weird stuff. Again, mm-hmm. we get into that disembodied spectral stuff. Uh, disembodied, disembodied limbs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Seems to be common for some reason. Yeah. Repeat encounters, they started to become a little more prevalent in the late 70s and really started to become a thing in the 80s when abductions uh, were really fully embraced in the UFO community sometime around 1987. Uh, But in March of 1978, publicity for Close Encounters of the Third Kind's upcoming release in the UK was very prevalent in newspapers around Wales and on one particular night, Marion Sunderland's son, Darren, who was 10 years old, asked her what a close encounter of the third kind was. And when she told him, he quietly announced to the family that he had had one of these a couple of years ago in the summer of 1976. Hmm. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> Ta-da! Okay. <laughs> uh, his sister, Gaynor who was 11 at the time, briefly came inside the house and made fun of him for inventing stories. Uh, And we're told that this was uncharacteristic of her. Uh, And when she came back inside later on, she approached her mother alone and nervously relayed the encounter that she had had with a UFO and its occupant. Uh, She had never said anything before uh, out of fear of not being believed because, you know, that's that's typical kind of Mm -hmm stuff you get but uh, according to darren in july of 1976 he was walking down coedon road when in a field his eye was caught by a glinting silver object and it was kind of standing on four tall legs uh you know they were elongated and um when you when you look at this kind of sketch of this thing it looks like Something that the Jetsons would have flown, the way that it's drawn, the way that he drew it. It's kind of like that flat kind of craft with the big dome on top of it. Um, Very Jetsons-like. And it it was a bit elongated and silver with this kind of strange tailpiece on it. Um, Kind of similar to the, the airplanes that we have. And atop this flattened section was a large dome, the surface of which was made of small squares. And at the top of the dome is what appeared to be kind of like a periscope. So in in a lot of ways, it seems like something, a craft that a kid would describe through the lens of, you know, maybe what he had seen on TV or something. But on the side closest to him, he could make out these kind of black symbols, one of which resembled a cross within a circle. A series of wires extended down from the rear of the object and were attached to blue bulbs, which sat uh, atop small poles. Most alarming was a series of five or six men who appeared to be struggling to walk that were carrying guns. And just by judging from their sketches that he made of them, they looked like they were on their last nerves. Like the way that they're drawn they're they're like, their nerves are shot. Their like eyes are huge. They're, they got this gun on them. And uh, yeah, it, it's just, <laughs> it's a weird looking sketch. Um, mm. When they pressed a blue button um, on the gun, it would release this kind of red ray that was, um, that one of the beings was using to try to shoot out these blue bulbs that were attached to the ship. 
And according to the report, quote, they were jumping up and down, apparently with rage. (laughs) (laughs) Damn it all. Those friggin' blue bulbs. I know. (laughs) And the red ray that won't shoot them. Yeah. (sighs) Just equipment failure all over the place. Yeah, they've had it. Yeah. Uh, These men were short, about four foot ten inches tall, and were very human in appearance, despite having angular bodies and a scant few wisps of hair atop their heads. They wore silver tops and green pants, which uh, the fashion choices here are just absolutely fantastic. I I, I like this combination. <laughs> Silver top and green pants. I have to admit, I had to think about what they were wearing again for a second because I was previously imagining the, them looking like Tommy Pickles mm-hmm. from the Rugrats yeah. <laughs> with a little wisp of hair on the top of the head. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> that, that type of hair, totally, totally in line with what's going on here. Yep, yep. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, uh, frustrated, one of the men walked up to one of the blo- the blue bulbs and hit it with the butt of his gun. They destroyed all but one of them before a central ramp came down from the bottom of the ship. Suddenly, a creature, not unlike a dinosaur with a green body and red neck, came down the ramp. In place of uh, ears, it had long, floppy cheeks. <laughs> My and like my peanut brain is trying to understand like how these blue bulbs make the ship open. Like, mm-hmm. like yeah. <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. And now, now this dinosaur, I like my brain. I, I have a peanut brain. I can't. I can't even fathom it. <laughs> it, it it doesn't get much better. Um, quote: One man made a growl, and with a sad expression, the animal turned around and went back up into the craft. Oh, <laughs> wait. OK, so then they're trying to shoot the bulbs out. Maybe they accidentally open it. The dinosaur comes out and is ready to go. And the guy's yep. like, no, not yet. And then the dinosaur yep. sad and goes back in. <laughs> yep. OK. Yep. Um, then a human like man with a pink face and larger quantity of hair appeared inside the dome of the craft and struggled with a control panel. A picture was projected on the wall of the dome that resembled the man who lived next door from where the encounter was taking place. So we've got a surveillance program here, I guess. I don't know, but (laughs) it's creepy. Um, Mm -hmm. This man eventually turned toward Darren and smiled before disappearing. The neighbor? No, the kid. No, no. uh, Oh, (laughs) confused oh the pink face pink yeah, face yeah. smiled at the kid and then disappeared okay yeah okay yeah. got it got it <laughs> on the inside when the strange men entered the object they appeared smaller than they were outside of it uh and when they exited the craft again they grew larger <laughs> mm. and eventually darren walked out uh from his hiding place and the craft departed right after i'm like this kid is offended i guess i don't know he's offensive <laughs> yeah <laughs> they were like ew bye <laughs> yeah children you bye mm-hmm. so on a warm sunny saturday afternoon gainer was riding her bike on a different section of the same road and at one point, uh, she descended a hill towards an empty field. And when she uh, she noticed this silvery cigar, 35 feet long, 
and 10 feet high. Rectangular windows ran around the craft, casting a yellow glow from inside the object. A dull red box sat atop the craft while a rim sat at the bottom of the craft going and it and it kind of had these like lights all around it when she first saw it she thought it was a structure from a carnival following that thought a shadow passed in front of one of the windows she took refuge in some hedges she crept down lying on her stomach and watched as a man appeared from an open door and a ramp that came down from the front of the ship He was humanoid, about five foot five inches, thin and with angular features. He walked in jerky sidesteps, presumably because his knee joints were higher up on his body instead of being like, you know, pretty much halfway down. It was like three quarters of the way up the leg. Ah, So, yeah, that's like a new fear unlocked. That sounds scary. (laughs) Why have I never fathomed that before? High knees, high kneecaps. Scary. Yeah, your dreams are going to be so weird now. So weird now. God. (laughs) Looking forward to it. Oh, yeah. He had very large and round eyes. The irises were pink. And he had uh, three fingers and a thumb. So, you know, Mm -hmm. working with what they got. uh, Mm -hmm. He was donned in a one-piece silver suit devoid of a zipper or seams and upon his head was a helmet that seemed to be joined to the suit. Uh, this man like the one uh, Darren had encountered was carrying a gun of some kind in the shape of the letter L. It cast a wavy red beam of light that slowly moved uh, from the gun. Like it moved in the way that she described it, it kind of moved in slow motion away from the gun. Hmm. With it, the man created a series of six holes in the ground around the craft, placing his hand in each one. From the report, quote, Gaynor had now been watching for 10 to 15 minutes, and she was uncomfortable and frightened. She moved her legs slightly, and it caught on the hedge, making a noise. Unfortunately, at this point, the entity was only about 10 feet from her, and he appeared to hear the sound. He did not turn his body, which was uh, kind of like a a side view from her, but moved his eyes towards her. At this, she felt very cold inside and went momentarily dizzy. She says that she, quote, knew that he was seeing inside her mind and that because she was only only a child, he realized she could not hurt him. He continued on, making holes and glancing at Gaynor from time to time. She still felt cold and dizzy while watching him. The feeling was broken by a whimpering noise that came from inside the ship. A hand extended out of the door and waved up and down. In response, the man on the ground moved from side to side. That's just weird. Uh, (laughs) Doing a shimmy here, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that, I didn't even think of it as a shimmy at first. I thought right. of it as like a like a shuffle. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. 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 yeah pretty much. Yeah, I like uh, shimmy better though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's getting his dance on, and he walked into the craft where a murmur was said to be heard. He emerged minutes later from the right hand side of the object. Uh, another figure, Gainer identified as a woman, emerged. 
she was slightly shorter and carried a long, jagged knife on her side. The woman looked at Gaynor, and again, she felt dizzy and cold. She had been lying there for 30 minutes or so when another whimpering sound again came from the craft. The woman looked up towards the sun and returned to the ship. Gaynor quickly took the opportunity to flee the area, though she realized she had forgotten her bike and went back. With the bike in hand now, she got the hell out of there. Don't blame her one bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hearing a faint humming sound, turning around, something smelled as if it was burning. And then this cigar shot up into the air and away. She jumped on her bike and pedaled home, fearing that the craft would emerge from the clouds sometime later. For confirmation, she returned to the field the next day and found an oval patch of grass where the craft had sat on the ground. The grass was flecked with silver, and the holes were no longer there. The grass itself looked greener, as if renewed by rain. Before and after this incident, Gaynor seemed to be the target for repeat encounters. On numerous occasions, she claimed to see strange stars, orange or red in color, not far from where her experience had taken place. She continued to see orange lights in the same area with her mother, even. Her mother also witnessed a strange light in October of 1978 while she was outside with her daughter. On several occasions, Gaynor claimed to see mental images of the beings smiling at her. This would generally happen when she was in stressful situations is interesting Mm -hmm. Uh, she also had dreams of being on board a ufo with entities well yeah (laughs) and like uh, aliens stay the hell out of the dreams yeah thank you yeah no thank you uh while babysitting for a friend in march of 1979 she felt uncomfortable in the home claiming to feel a presence there she called her mother and asked her to come over and at one point jumped up scared. She added, quote, I think they are important people, leaders or scientists, something like that. They are important in the world. They are beautiful to their own kind. They think they are pretty. I don't think all their kind look like that. What they were doing was important to them. Do you understand? Her mother was shocked by this, and Gaynor then went about her evening like nothing strange had ever been uttered. Uh, that creepy presence <laughs> thing in a home, I, I just don't like it, especially after... Uh, yeah. 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 Well, and so I really like that story. That is so interesting because I wonder if maybe they just knew that they were... I feel I feel like I give aliens the benefit of the doubt. Like I, I'm like they can't possibly mean harm, but it's like they maybe they knew that she was a safe space. Like they knew that that the girl and the mom weren't going to do anything. Like they had seen her, they knew she wasn't going to hurt them, so they kept going back to that mm-hmm. area to do their little research or or whatever. But um, yeah, them sticking around and showing up in the dreams and. Um, I don't know. Just like generally hanging around and like smiling in her head to her. Uh, (laughs) Gives me (laughs) icky. Like, I don't know. Like they're like, we're the new God or something like, I don't know. But I don't know that that sounds pretty crazy. And I got to say, I I believe it. I don't know. I believe her. Yeah, absolutely. Like 
the impression that I got from reading these articles and I'll, I'll, I'll have to send you the sketches later of, of this because like the cover, I, I have a copy of the original issue of flying sauce review that it appeared in. And the cover is absolutely gold because you can see this alien near this craft and it's doing something with uh, whatever gun it has. And like, you can see her like hiding in the bro- the bushes and it's like, they know that she's there and it's like he's got this huge these huge eyes but like the sketches are just absolutely brilliant uh but (laughs) the way that they described her she was like they described her as being kind of you know precocious um and very observant and just like a smart kid so yeah Mm. i i totally buy everything that she's saying and like the fact that her and her brother's experiences were very similar very similar language i think adds to the validity of the case yeah and if i remember correctly she didn't come out with it until her brother first said something right yep yep yeah so i'm like i'm like okay i hear you like this would catch my attention for sure if someone was telling this story Yep. me <laughs> yeah but yeah man it's so crazy the parallels between like one that that these beings often just overall in these stories that the beings show up in a manner that is uh like ghosts or like how mm-hmm. we perceive ghosts um but then also have like such distinct ufo type you know the smells the whatever the things that we all know to be alien is there. So then it immediately like puts it in this different category of like, well, it's not ghost now it's alien. But I mean, I don't know. Like, so it makes me wonder, I've always liked the idea of like that ghost today on earth here are just something we don't understand yet that maybe if this earth sticks around long enough that we will one day understand how our energy can persist. Mm-hmm. And that maybe, maybe these other, you know, these aliens, this other life out there has already advanced to that point and has been able to tell how to manifest themselves as a quote ghost now. And that that's just more advanced than us, you know? So then it, it blurs the two worlds together, but I don't know. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. That I, I think that's totally valid because, you know, when you, when you dive in to the deep end of this stuff, you get to this point where it's just like, well, wherever they come from, they they have an advanced ability to enter our world in whatever they, way they do. They have the ability to interact with us, but like they do it in such a way that is often in defiance of the physicality of what it means to like, say, land on on another planet and do things it kind of looks similar to that but the fact that there is a psychical element um to it definitely Mm -hmm. makes it seem like it goes above and beyond what normal nuts and bolts aliens can do so yeah the the parallels are absolutely fascinating and like there are like other cases uh, out there i found uh another article that kind of because this this episode came from an article uh entitled strangers about the house in which um you know the these folks would find weird beings inside their homes like uh doing whatever there there's another one uh 
that uh, it deserves to be covered in, you know, total depth at some point. Uh, this Argentinian woman named Maria Elodia Pretzel. Her last name is Pretzel. And I dig that. That is, I love that. that. Is, I yeah. love pretzels. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she was, um, she, she worked in her family's uh, hotel and she was uh, watching she was pretty much shutting the place down for the night. She walked into, I think it was like a large dining room or something like that. And there's this strange man wearing this. He has this like flat top. He, he has a, like a, almost like a small disco ball in his hand. That's projecting this light. And he's wearing this outfit that is kind of like, um it's scaly in a way and it's just like scanning the room and it's like dude we're closing why are you in here right now but <laughs> you know like it gets into the, the like that idea like what the hell are they doing and why is it so freaky every time maybe they're not that good at it <laughs> like me i mean they've they've done it they can do it but maybe they keep popping up and they're like shit shoot <laughs> yeah um, yeah. You know, like, I did not mean to come here right now. Like, oh, man, there's people around, you know? And then they're like, I'll just read their mind real quick and make sure that we're good. Okay, we're good. Continue yep. on. <laughs> yeah. Yep. The possibilities are endless. And I'll say, I hope in this lifetime I get to see something as crazy. I will shout it from the rooftops. If I ever see <laughs> anything remotely like any of these, I'm done. That's all I care about. From here on out, yeah. Do you hear that, intelligences of the void? Amanda has put the call out. You better show up. (laughs) And then then a hand hand comes out of nothing and just is like, like punches me in the face. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah, that's... A dream. That is is the dream. That is an unforgettable moment. Uh, Amanda, thank you so much for joining me on this episode. So, um, you know, the eternal question, where can people keep up with what you are doing, all the projects that you have going on? Uh, where can you send people to follow along? Yeah, um, I am at Pretty Effin Spooky on all platforms. That's Pretty Effin Spooky, not the real word. And um, I'm prettyeffinspooky.com. And then, uh, as we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, I have a documentary coming out soon called Death Is With Me. Um, so there's deathiswithme.com as well. As for the Our Strange Guys podcast, you can find us on most podcasting apps. And if you'd like to help us out, leave us a rating and review. It always helps. It boosts us. It puts us in front of more people. Uh, and you get more wild stories of, uh, you know, UFOs acting like aliens and, 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 and aliens acting like ghosts and all that weird stuff. So uh, definitely tell your friends about us and, and, you know, show love to the pods that you, you absolutely adore. Uh, if you want to support us monetarily, head on over to patreon.com slash your UFO guy, where for $3 a month, you'll get bonus episodes you'll get uh, episodes like this early uh special thanks to floats for the use of their song ufo as the theme song for this podcast and a special thanks to megan lagerberg for our fantastic logo and to the great desdemona for our t-shirt designs and finally don't forget to look up because you never know what you'll find in our strange skies or staring back at you through the passenger side window in gray we trust (laughs) 